0: You are listening to the podcast of Richland Hills Baptist Church. We are located in Richland Hills, Texas. Our desire here is to believe, live, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're listening to our podcast today, if you have any questions, you can find us on the web at richlandhillsbc.com. God bless you. God is the creator and maker of all things. The the universe, everything that's in it, including you and I, people, human beings. God is our maker, God is our creator. And so, when we consider the idea of worldviews, that is important, right? If you believe that God made you and created you, you're going to see the world very differently. Than somebody who doesn't believe that God created everything if you just believe that we're here by chance and the earth is here by chance and you're gonna see the world very differently and so we see that ethics morality purpose our understanding of work family all have implications that flow from our worldview, and so this morning, I also want us to see another aspect of a Christian worldview, and it is that of human nature. So last week we talked about that God made everybody has made people. Another aspect of being a human, and what does it mean to have a human nature? And what does it mean to be sinful? What is sin? It's not a a word that we talk about, and we do here in church, but in the world, it's not a word that's used a lot. What does it mean that people are sinful? And do you believe that people are sinful? You see, that's a worldview. If you believe that people are basically good, then you'll see the world a little differently. If you believe that people are sinful and fallen, you're going to see the world differently. And so, what we have to decide as believers is we have to see what does the Bible say about human sin and what is that? What are the implications? of that for our lives and not only our lives but our worldviews so this morning I want us to read in Romans 3 and we're gonna we're gonna look at this we're not gonna again we won't go verse by verse because I want us to see big picture but I'm gonna encourage you to study this passage and look at it take some time this week to look at it because it's gonna Again, it's going to show us about sin. Paul writes, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, None is righteous. No, not one. In the way of peace they have not known there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believed. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Father, may you remind us this morning, Lord of our nature our but the hope of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. In that passage there, Paul is making it clear that all people have sinned. The universality of sin. Gentiles have sinned. Jews have sinned. All people have sinned. They are apart from the law. Apart from and that's the thing that Paul wants us to see, and I believe the Bible speaks of, is that sin is universal. All people have sinned. That's the big thing. You write that down if you take notes. All people have sinned. All people. It's universal. And so this is part of our worldview as Christians. We believe that people, all people, Have sinned, will sin, will mess up. And I want you just to consider for a moment our Bible. Think about the Bible. There are a lot of heroes of the faith in the Bible, aren't there? Men and women who did extraordinary things. But they are all sinful people. I mean Adam begins us off with sin, doesn't he? Adam and Eve. And then we go a little bit further and we find Abraham, Abram, he turns out to be a liar. Then we find Jacob, he's a deceiver. The sons of Joseph or the sons, the brothers of Joseph, they sell their own brother into slavery. Moses kills a man before he is Called by God. Samson, not a great guy. Jonah, a prophet of God, ran away from God. David, oh David, adultery, had a man killed because. Of it. Peter denied Jesus. Matthew was a tax collector before he called Jesus. That was a. Thomas, David. Paul was a persecutor of Christians before he met Jesus. Like these are our heroes. These are the people in the Bible that we say, "Wow!" I mean, David especially, right? We talk about David all the time, but he was a—he did some bad stuff. What that tells us is that all people. All people are fallen. Every single person, and in some ways that a lot of times is sort of an offensive thing to some people, but I'm not sure why, because we all understand that we are sinful. Now in order to really get there though, I want us to read what does it mean to be sinful. What does it mean to sin? Sin is essentially when we disobey or rebel from God's perfect plan, God's God's commandments, what God says when we either do the things that we shouldn't do or we don't do the things that we should do. When we break God's standards. Again, either by our actions or, again, our omissions. Commissions or omissions. You may have heard it said that way. And so when we sin, we this is important, sin is the breaking of God's standards. The standards of God. And so what that means is even if there's not a law on the books that says, like, in our human world, The world says it's okay to do this. But there are things that the Bible says you don't do that. And so again, sin is ultimately God's standards. Not man's standards. Not the world's standards, but God's standards. So in that way, all people have broken God's law. All people have done and said terrible things we've said things we've thought things we've done things all of us not one of you in this room and then say i have been morally perfect my whole life not one of you can do it Not one of you can say, I've never sinned, I've never messed up, I've always followed God's law perfectly. No. And so that's the big thing. I want us to build that idea that uh, sin is universal for all people. Now, here's the second big point. Sin separates us from God. So again, here's the other worldview. And all people are sinful, so we see the world as Christians. We see all people are in need of Jesus. I because they're sinful, and our sin separates us from God. So what that means is that we believe that sin sin has greater consequences than just earthly consequences. Yes, when we do wrong things, we have. I'll call them horizontal implications. I mean here on this earth. If you steal, you'll have consequences. If you if you lie, if you're a liar, you, it may not be against the law, but you still will have relational complications from that, won't you? So when we do things we shouldn't, you will have you will have earthly consequences. But as Christians, what we say is even bigger than that is not only will you have earthly implications, but your sin, there are vertical implications. There are vertical consequences. And they are much greater than the earthly consequences. Your sin separates us, separates you from a holy God. You say, well, okay, pastor, we get it. We've been in church. We know that. I want you to tell you that because that is a worldview issue. You see, if you have a naturalist worldview, an atheistic worldview, then you only you don't really think of sin in the same way, first of all. But if you believe all this is, then you believe that your consequences for your actions only extend into this life. They only extend to the people around us. And so in that way, if you believe this is all there is, if somehow you escape human punishment, you think, well, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with me. But as Christians, we say, no. Your sin has more than just earthly consequences. One of the things that the Bible speaks of is that your sin is ultimately against God. This is why in Psalm 51, this is a psalm, first of all, that again, the background, the context of it is regarding David's sin with Bathsheba. this is what david said against you you only have i sinned and done what is evil in your sight david's speaking of god there now is he saying that he hasn't sinned against other people no he knows he has but ultimately david says my sin ultimately is against god yes there were earthly consequences but ultimately david's sin was against So your sin, my sin, the things that we do, our disobedience, they separate people from a holy God because God cannot be in company with sin. No matter what we do. Now, the third point, we see that sin is universal. It's against God. But a third point, I want you to see is that evil in this world can be explained by sinfulness. Now I want you to, the reason I'm going to go here is one of the big sort of debates or difficulties sometimes in theology is the problem of evil. Now, I don't think it's a problem, but that is a that's what they call it, the problem of evil. And there are theologians, philosophers, they've studied and debated this for a long time, and it essentially goes this way. If God is good, then why does He allow evil? Horrible, all the horrible things. You watch the news, or you hear things. there's Horrible, awful things that people do to one another. People say, well, I, I can't believe in God if, if that's the God that you worship. A God that allows evil and wickedness. And so some people think that's a barrier to belief. But I actually think that is a barrier to believing And know God. I believe actually evil, the fact of evil, is not a barrier for Christian belief. I actually think it's a barrier, again, for not believing. Let me explain to you. We know there's evil in this world. I don't have to tell you that. Every one of you, you could tell me some example in your own life or the life of others. You could say, this is the most evil. But if you don't believe in God, if you believe this is all there is, if you believe in a naturalistic worldview that you live and you die, I believe you have a greater problem. Because the greater problem is this, that evil really doesn't matter. If this is all that there is, if our life is all that there is, then evil is just a fact of life. It, it doesn't really matter what people do. Because once someone dies, they're done, they're gone. This is naturalism, this is atheism. And so they say, well, why would you be so upset about these evil things? Because, you know, it doesn't really matter. Does anything really matter in atheism? Does anything matter? In fact, I think some of the most famous atheists are really fair and honest about their own beliefs when they recognize that in atheism nothing really matters. And so in that worldview, evil is just, well, it's just something that happens. Sometimes you could say it's just the survival of the fittest. There's no moral. There's really, they can't be moral. Because in atheism, there is no morality. You might say, wait a second. Atheists can do good things. But there's no standard of morality. No universal, divine standard. And so I believe that evil, the fact of evil, fits right into the Christian worldview. It's no problem. We say, yes, evil exists because of human sinfulness. Because humans have disobeyed God, they have broken His commands, and yes, evil is the result of sin. When we sin people do more and more evil things, right? You see in the Bible, it just progresses. They they eat the fruit, and then you go right to murder, pretty much. And then it just gets, the cycle of sin in the Bible is worse and worse, and there's great evil. When we disobey God, There will be evil in this world. And God has given people the freedom to choose whether they will do good or freedom to choose whether they will do bad. And so, yes, this evil in this world can be explained by sinfulness. And so I want you to think about that and consider it. Now, there is one thing I want to say it about sin. Because in some ways, I think this is confuses people a little bit. So the question is, is all sin equal? The answer to that will be yes and no. Explain. Yes. All sin is equal in the sense that all sin separates us from God. Lie, murder, stealing, gossiping, they all separate us from God. That's, they are equal. But not all sin will have, their, not all sin is the same in terms of their human consequences or even the way that the Bible speaks of them. So it does seem and appear in the Bible that there are some sins that God really says, do not do these, you don't do any of them, but there are some that seem to be worse. There are some sins that will have greater consequences in your life, in my life. I think that's important to say. Sometimes we'll say, yeah, well, well, sin is sin. Well, that is true. However, when you do certain things, you're going to have greater consequences in your own life and your private life and your life as a, as a church member. And so yes, we see that there will be some differences there. Again, it goes into this worldview though, that sin is universal. Sin, all people sin. We all mess up, not all people do the same thing, but in our relationship with God, it will separate us. Now, as we consider the implications of these things, we think about, so now I want us to consider our worldview implications. If sin exists, and it does, then there must be an objective law. Remember a few weeks ago, we said that in some worldviews there is no objective morality. Meaning that you decide what's right and wrong. Each culture will decide what's right wrong. and wrong. A lot of people believe this. They'll say, no, oh, in this culture, it's wrong to do X, Y, or Z. It may not be wrong in that culture, and that's okay. We actually would say, no, there is a universal, objective morality. Not because the cultures decided it, but because it is wrong. Stealing is wrong in all cultures. Not because the culture said it is, but because it is wrong. Adultery is wrong. If there's a culture, and sometimes they're all cult, that say, well, that's not wrong. We say, no, it is wrong. Even if a group of people say it's not wrong, it doesn't matter what they say. What does God say? And so, There is an objective law you and I don't get to pick what is right and wrong. You don't get to choose what's right and wrong. You might say, well, it seems like people do that. That's true. Even Christians sometimes will pick and choose what they want to follow in the Bible, don't they? No, that's not right. And so, sin there's an objective law there's an objective standard and god is that objective lawgiver. giver he has given us the standard and so in fact i would say that even using the language of sin and evil even the word evil when you when someone says well that's evil to say that something is evil is comparing it to something else, right? If you don't believe in an objective morality or an objective law, then you can't use the word evil because there's nothing to compare it to. Something's evil because it breaks God's perfect, righteous standard. The second implication is that we are broken people. Who need a savior. We're not basically good. We're not all just pretty good people. We're all broken people. We're all fallen people. We're all again morally broken people. And I don't have to really tell you that because we know it. We sense it in ourselves. We see it. We experience it every day. Now, in Christ, we are new, but we still struggle against the flesh. But as people who don't know Christ, they are broken, completely broken. You see that when you're a parent. You never had to teach your kids to lie, did you? No. They learned that quickly. We talked about that in Sunday school today. Did you steal the cookie no did you teach them to do that no it's ingrained in that human spirit that sinfulness and so we are all broken and so the world implication of that is that we are in need of a savior all people Every single person on this planet is in need of a Savior. And the last worldview implication is this. The world is not getting better. This is very important. At the beginning of the 20th century, there was a period of optimism and hope as they began in the 1900s there was an age again the industrial revolution There was technology enlightenment it's a new world and what did the 20th century bring us in between 100 and 200 million people were killed in wars in fact one of the deadliest centuries on the planet and think about it in fact some estimates 180 million people were killed in 100 years you have the first world war the second world war we had korea Vietnam, and other places throughout the world from the deadliest centuries and yet it began with this is Oh, we're we're different. People are different now. And what it taught us is that the world is not getting better. People are not getting better. No matter how much technology we have, how much knowledge we have, how much enlightenment we have, guess what? It's not getting better. And the 21st century has shown us that as well, hasn't it? When very early on in the 21st century, terrorists flew planes into buildings in New York City. War, violence, horrific things. And so the idea of that is important. We know as Christians it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. But yet, you see, there's people who believe that, well, if we just have enough education, if we have enough technology, if we have enough advancement, if we have enough social change, then things are going to get better. Now, sometimes we can make certain circumstances better for certain people, and we always try to do that when we can. Technology is not going to make things better. It may make things more comfortable, but with great technology has also come great danger. One thing that I am very interested in, and I think is going to, it might be strange that I'm going to mention this, but I think it's going to have probably some of the biggest implications for us in this century, and it's that of artificial intelligence. AI, robots, say, Pastor, that seems crazy. It's not crazy. For our kids, that's going to be one of the next big moral things that they have to figure out. We see it already. Artificial intelligence, things. again, it's this worldview implication Robots can't make our world better. But yet there are others that see it that way. And so as Christians, we have to ask ourselves, how are we going to handle? This is why I want to go through this study. How are we going to handle these new things that pop up? How are we going to handle the rise of artificial intelligence? We have to have a worldview. And in that worldview, We're going to recognize that all people are sinful. But the hope, the hope that we have, if you go back to Romans 3, says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. You see, while you and I are sinful, broken people separated from God, we have hope in Jesus Christ. Our salvation is not in works, not in knowledge, not in getting better, not in going to church, not in religious things. Our hope is only found in faith in Jesus Christ. That's where our hope is. And we're gonna, we're actually going to study that more next week. But our hope is in Jesus. Our faith. So the question is, are you, have you put your faith in Jesus? Are you a Christian? I don't mean Christian by name only. I don't mean because that's how you grew up. I mean, have you... Trusted in Jesus Christ? Is there a time in your life where, I, where you have trusted in Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Have you believed in Him? And so that's a direct question I'm asking to each and every person here. Have you believed in Jesus Christ? See, that's where our hope is. Not in anything else, but in Jesus. Because we're sinful people, and we need a Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth and hope of the gospel. God, I pray that this morning you would remind us Lord of our human sinfulness and brokenness but also to remind us Lord that in Jesus we are new we don't have to be controlled by our brokenness because we are new we don't have to live by the flesh we can live by the spirit so Lord help us Help us to live in your truth, in your way, in your righteousness. Forgive us, Lord, where we fail, fail you, Lord. Lord, help us to follow you in all things. But, Lord, our desire is to know and believe your truth and your way and your word. As we think about our worldviews and foundations, of faith. Let us be reminded that we are sinful people in need of a Savior. Thanks to You, Lord, You've sent a Savior for us. May we follow Him all the days of our life. In Jesus' name,